the frames. Music, movies, culture, and faith. Featuring your hosts, John Gibson and Joel Flores. Hey, welcome to Between the Frames. We are here today to discuss a pre-pandemic movie that we were talking offline beforehand about our experience, so we're going to bring that to you a little bit. But hopefully you all have had the chance to see Knives Out, and uh, in the next episode I think we're going to talk about Glass Glass Onion too, the the sequel, which isn't really a sequel, but um, yeah. Anyway, Knives Out. Really? Yeah, great, great movie. The the late Christopher Plummer, mm-hmm. now the late Christopher Plummer, who's just uh, left the wake of incredible films. And uh, this is a fun whodunit, John. And yeah, pre-pandemic. Hey, How uh, weird. This is. I think this was the last movie I saw. Before in the, the theater, okay. I, I'm going to take a, a probably probably one of the last ones I saw in the theater. I'm going to sidestep for a minute because you you know um, Christopher Plummer was from like lived in Connecticut, right? I think he had a house in New Canaan or something. Oh yeah, not, yep. Not far from me. So I, I when I was in high school, I played the captain in Sound of Music, and um, later on after college, I dated a girl who was a nanny in Fairfield County and knew where his house is and she and a friend went to the his house and there were like big walls around it i guess and stuff and started singing the sound of music outside outside his house i don't i don't think security came or anything amazing but, but yeah anyway i to this day I, I i never knew where it was he lived but but anyway he lived in fairfield county wow and, very um, cool Pretty yeah, well, you know what's cool about that is a Christmas present for Yvette and Giselle, my sisters, uh-huh. way back in the 90s, I remember, was actually a signed picture personally to them by Christopher Plummer. They wow. still have it. Oh, that's awesome. Someone mom knew, mutually or whatever, knew knew, uh, uh-huh. knew him, and they and so they each have it from him to, to them each. Isn't that kind of cool? Yeah. <laughs> well, it, it's funny, too, because his daughter is Amanda Plummer, right? Um who is that's right? Who is yep. in like uh, so? I married an axe murderer. I mean, and and uh, Pulp Fiction, right? I mean, she was the psycho, that's Honey right. Bunny, and yeah. Yep. So um, yeah, kind of crazy. Plays plays a good psycho. I know Ralph plays Ralph. Right. Yeah, 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 right. exactly. And and oh man, so I married an axe murderer. Every time we talk about a thing, then we go, "That's one we have to." That's oh, I know. I cannot even believe I haven't thought of that. We've even if we, yeah, we got it. We got to dive into that one. That's a, that's oh my a gosh, movie. It, it really is. Yeah. It, and it kind of in, in a way, it fits. Uh, it, it fits some things here. So, so this movie knives out, um, directed by Ryan Johnson, who of course. So let's. Ryan Johnson's a really good director. I mm-hmm. think he's a good storyteller. I yep. really, really do. And he got a lot of flack. If you recognize that name or you just cringed probably from The Last Jedi and the sequel trilogy and you did not like what he did with it. Um, I'm in a weird camp, man, because I'm a big Star Wars fan and I'm one of those ones that think that I I, I think he took a... He didn't do maybe what I personally, as a fanboy, mm-hmm. wanted him to do. But I got to tell you, given given the circumstances, I thought he he made a, I thought he made a pretty good film all by it by itself, and yeah. I thought it was one of the stronger ones, and that's why critically, it was one of the stronger non traditional tropes. Uh, yep. He tried to do something different with the storytelling. Do I think it's a perfect film? No, but visually it is stunning. Mm-hmm. Like the space space battles and stuff are some of the best ones. And I, I, my, my one complaint, I know everybody's upset with what he did with Luke Skywalker. and We're not going to stay there for too long. I think if they, I think if they just didn't off him in that film mm-hmm. and gave him the chance to redeem his arc in the third one, that would have left a better taste. Right. But I also don't like how he just got how they just got rid of the the, the villainous character they were building up and then just kind of offed it. So those were those are two grave errors. But you know, to his credit, I think he took a lot of chances. And uh, fortunately, he put out this movie Knives Out, which which um, was a big hit. And mm-hmm. I personally, I believe, rightfully so. Who doesn't like a whodunit thriller? That's clever. Um, Charlie yeah. and I live for those kind of things. So. Oh yeah, well and. Some of, I mean, I mean, 
Last Jedi aside, some of his other movies, I mean, the movie he did right before this was Looper, which I thought was a really good movie. And then yep. um, his, yep, his first real feature length was, was Brick, which I need to revisit. I don't know if mm-hmm. you've seen that before, but it's been a while. Um, Joseph Gordon-Levitt. Uh, has been in a number of his films and was in that movie. That was kind of, I think, when he went from um, Third Rock from the Sun uh, and started moving into movies from television, that may have been one of his first films. And now, of course, he's directing and stuff like that. But, uh, but yeah, I need Listen, to... Before 10 Things I Hate About You or after? With it? Uh, that's a good question. Like Gordon Levin. No, no, no. You know what? You're after? right. You're right. around that time. I, I bet you, um, Brick, because Brick was was uh, 2005. I think, I think that Ten Things I Hate About You was late 90s. I feel like it was 99. Or, okay, it was 99. Yeah, yeah. But but it was when he was but it was when he was really starting to establish his his film career. Mm-hmm. So yeah, um, yeah. I, I agree. I think I think Ryan Johnson's really talented. I mean, um, like we've said before with with hubris. I mean, which is ironic. That was a big topic of Last Jedi. I think, I think, uh, like we talked about James Cameron and others, is is you know, when you're when you're talented at what you do, you as a musician too, um, <laughs> there could be an air of my way or the highway right. a lot of times, and and it's a risk you take, right? It's a yeah. risk that you take, but I think at the same time, for your craft, you bend to everybody's will. I mean, it's you know, whose will are you bending to? I mean, that's that's more of the problems that a lot of people have. But mm. but focusing on this film. I think that uh, I think that overall, it's a really solid movie from mm-hmm. beginning to end. It's very clever, and yeah. it's been a while since I think we saw up to this point. It had been a while since we've seen anything that really was um, that that was a whodunit, but in a really fun way. Right? You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. Well, and there were a lot of nods, I would say, to Agatha Christie in this. Right? Like, um, you know, over the last couple of years, there's been a resurgence of murder these the kinds Express. of movies, right? Yeah. Um, yeah. Murder on the Orient Express. Yeah. There was, um, what was the other one? The, the, the Egypt one, the, um, Nile. Um, yeah. The one that just came out. Yep. Yeah. Was re- those were great. Those were really fun movies, great casts. Um, this, and, and all these movies, the, the, the commonalities they have, and I'm sure we're going to talk about it, is the ensemble cast, mm-hmm. right? So Clue is always one of my favorites from back in oh, the 80s yeah, with yeah, you yeah, know, yeah. Tim Curry yep. and everybody. Yep. Like, you know, Christopher Lloyd, like what a great film. We actually watched it in October and showed the boys. Uh-huh. And I think it's on Amazon. And we were we were rolling and and uh, they loved it right, right through to the end. And But there's one from the 70s that's... That's one of my favorites, and I, I meant to watch it. I had it in the queue, and they took it back off. It's got Peter Sellers in it, and who's kind of playing like a Charlie Chan character, and they all go. <laughs> um, the name of the movie off the top of my head is slipping me, but I'll pull it up in a minute. It's not. And, uh, you know, they're. Oh, go ahead. You, you know which one I'm talking about? It was yeah, also yeah, a whodunit yeah. film, but it was more of a. Uh, it wasn't like sort of loosely maybe based on Clue. It wasn't actually called Clue. Right, right. Um, yeah, so we'll we'll come back around to that, but uh, that movie is hilarious as well. And I meant to watch it um, over the October break before they took it back down again. Mm-hmm. And it was like, shoot, I missed it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, you know, I mean, whether it's uh, cult- culturally totally appropriate these days, uh, it's I mean, murder that's by a whole death. Other, uh, I think it was murder by murder death. by death. That's it. It is murder by death. That's okay. it. Yeah, great. Great movie. Speaking of Peter Sellers, by the way, not to not to uh, rabbit trail too much. You ever seen Being There? Oh, with Peter Sellers. I, I was just thinking about that. Yes, uh, I mean, so that was a movie. Okay, so we're gonna put that on the shelf somewhere. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Definitely put it on the shelf. That was a movie that probably popped up when I was going to the library as a kid, and I was like, "What on earth is this?" I didn't see it until you know maybe five years ago, and I've I've watched it a number of times. I think it's you know. It's a forty-plus-year-old movie at this point, but definitely we'll put that on the list as well. I'm I'm, I'm pulling up my, oh my list, goodness, to but start it's, it's just a great. Yeah. Then there's that classic. <laughs> I own that on DVD. The party. I mean, totally again, cultural cultural appropriation. But the film, you know, mm-hmm. Sellers was just, uh, you know, Peter Sellers is one of those guys who inspired guys like Jim Carrey and all these other great uh, mm-hmm. comedic actors who I think also were gifted at. 
dramatic acting. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, that's a whole, and I think that's a big part of this film, to be honest with yep. you. So not totally rabbit trailing. We have some actors here who show their chops, both who are typically dramatic, become more, uh, that are more comedic and vice versa, mm-hmm. I think in this film. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and you know, I think one of the challenges I, you know, we talk about most things culture on here. Uh, and so, um, I think the best analogy I had to think about an all-star cast like that was the supergroups of like the 70s, right? Where you had all these amazing musicians coming together and you're like, is this really going to be as great as you think? Blind Faith was one of the first ones that I thought about, you know, Ginger Baker, Steve Winwood, Eric Clapton, um, and... Crosby, Stills, and Nash. Crosby, Stills, Nash. Add Young to that. Like, yeah, so many. Yep. You know, and and Young, and you know, sometimes I I mean, we were talking about um, Last Jedi before. I I think there's so many expectations that are set beforehand when you put an all-star cast together, and the expectations are almost impossible to actually meet because. Because everybody comes with this, oh, oh, well, so-and-so is, you know, Daniel Craig's my favorite actor. Or, you know, Jamie Lee Curtis is my favorite actor. Or Don Johnson. And, and then you put them all together and you're like, is this really going to be as good as we think it might be? You know, and I, I was pleasantly surprised. Yeah. I mean, because, um, you know, sometimes there's not enough I think, room. I think it's the kind of people. Yeah. It's the kind of people in the chemistry, and if, if they if they know that they're what what works well in these, I think what works well in these kind of ensemble situations, especially when there's a, a hint of comedy to them, you know mm-hmm. what I mean, like a, a, a bit of levity to it, yeah. is that you don't have people trying to overly out dramatic chop each other. Right, they're not sense. overacting. You have yeah, people yeah. that. They they know or if they're if they are overacting it's, it's called purpose for. so right. like there's yeah. there's like that's that's right so I think there's this you know so let's talk about some people who are in the film so mm-hmm. I, Christopher Plummer obviously um, yep. he's he's found dead in his estate after his 85th birthday and the inquisitive debonair like like if you will the Doc Holiday esque detective uh-huh. because it's like southern right um, southern aristocracy Ooh, yeah. right mm-hmm. or uh, aristocrat would be Detective Benoit Blanc yep. from the Bayou who is Daniel Craig mm-hmm. which is hilarious because oh. you know he's he's British. obviously British right <laughs> and and we see Daniel Craig typically this is where he gets to flex his comedic chops a bit because we mm-hmm. see him you know often brooding and tough and very suave and. And and he's almost almost bumbling, not a not a Clouseau right. bumbling, but yep. like a, he seems like you know who he's like. He's like Peter Fox. Uh, um, yeah. You know, um, what I was know. his show? That I know Peter who Fox you're was thinking. Yeah, uh, it just totally drew. Back. Oh come on, Columbo. Columbo. Yeah. Almost like a Columbo, mm-hmm. where where he comes across like like he's a little daft. Yes, but really he's analyzing well and through that is where he's really reading everybody right Right. and we see that in this film (laughs) so so there's him and then you've Mm -hmm. got you know a whole slew of other actors like the incredible Anna de Armas Mm -hmm. where she really got featured in this film and I think she's fantastic Um, I didn't really know her work before that and I should have and I've certainly paid attention since but uh, you know I I mean Chris Evans in it and Jamie there Lee a lot Curtis, of this, John right? Johnson, Tony Jamie Collette. Jamie Lee, who's a classic. Yeah, I mean, some some yep, young some young actors. Catherine Langford, who was in 13 Reasons Why. Um, and then Jaden Martell, who played Bill Denbro in uh, the new rendition of Stephen King's It. So, yeah, I mean, young yep. and old. Yeah, good. Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a pretty substantial. And like classic, very eclectic, right? Yeah, Frank Don Johnson. Frank Oz <laughs> makes a, an appearance too. Frank Oz as the attorney. So that's um, right. Mm. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Good job. Nice. <laughs> Super Grover. No, if he, so, you know Frank Oz. He's a brilliant director too. I oh. mean, you know, and so it, it just just. So you get all these people, you get all these players together, and you're right, John. You're right to be hesitant to go. I don't know. And we were talking off microphone before as we usually do Mm -hmm. and probably laugh about stuff and i get the real version from john which we're not going to hear (laughs) on our show today but basically 
he said, you know, I, I asked him what his experience was. So here it was for me. Uh, this is one of the movies that Charlotte and I saw before, like probably one of the ones we saw before the pandemic really started to hit, mm-hmm. probably. There there may have been a couple in there, but this is one of those that was towards towards the end. So we really enjoyed it. We we anticipated the movie. I didn't go in with high expectations, John, but I, I knew it was good, that it was clever. So I was like, okay, this is going to be a fun time. At least it's going to be worth my 10 bucks. It'll be fun. So we went in. We really, really enjoyed it. It was smartly done. It was entertaining, all that kind of stuff. And got home told our kids we're like when this comes out streaming or whatever you have to watch it with us because it's going to be really fun mm-hmm. so fast forward i asked you so what was your experience and you were like i don't you know i don't i don't think i saw it in the theater because usually right. when there's buzz around it yeah oh, buzz, I, I usually yeah i i don't i don't do well with to go away yes yes in in kind words right yeah yeah well i i just <laughs> you know you get to know people enough and uh, that's why you know how much I appreciate our relationship because we're we've known each other for a long time. We have similar tastes and stuff too. So recommendations that I get from you, I, I probably weigh different than recommendations I get from some other people. And and Same. I'll tell you what I, I mean. Yeah, it's I I've. I've gone to watch a movie before that like, was highly recommended either by critics or, or people who have very oh, different yeah. tastes than me. And I've been like, are we watching the same movie? I mean, I just, you know, I oh, mean, dude. I, we, I, we could do a show just. Can I tell you two? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Can I tell you two? Go, 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 yeah. That were like that for me. And maybe maybe they were the same for you. Maybe you have other ones, but I don't mind naming them. So one of them was Capote. Okay. I, I got dragged in to go to go see that one. Not that it was a bad movie. Sure. It was just that I wish I brought a pillow. Sorry. <laughs> um, <laughs> that, that's my personal. I mean, yeah. I can take. I can watch paint dry. But sure. like I was like, yeah, I don't know what's going on here. And then the other one was actually and it wasn't that it was boring. It was just like, I can't believe I'm watching this in the theater with friends of mine from my small group and that they suggested it. Actually, these are the two movies they suggested. Capote was one of them. The other one was history of violence. Oh, wow. Okay. So, All right. Yeah. So, I, I, which is not, again, it's not a bad film, but there's this whole like scene in the movie where I'm kind of like, I don't know. Oh, if I, I, know, I know exactly. Which mo- right. Yes. Now. Yes. Yes. And, and everybody, and everybody was talking about these films though. Those were those things where they're like, Oh my gosh, you have to. So for me, I learned from that. Yeah, you're not going to get to recommend the movies now when we go to see something. You know well, what I mean? Which, which, without <laughs> making this the the episode that's completely rabbit trails, I had an experience like that over Christmas where we watched Parenthood with my in-laws and my sons, and um, uh, it was like <laughs> this is uh, I, this is the second awkward film watching experience I've had with my in with my mother-in-law because I watched Office Space with yes. my mother-in-law. Okay, which we did an episode yes. on. But like the O face. Yes. Yep. There were there were moments in parenthood where I was like, oh my gosh, I I don't even know what to do. I just laughed about it. I and of course me, I make jokes when things are awkward. So the next day I made a comment and I'm like, You thought last night was awkward watching that with like guess what? Like, yeah, because I was explaining it something else. But anyway, yeah, I, I That is amazing. But but like I'm just picturing yeah. yeah, we. I mean, we watched it. Like I said, we didn't watch this in the theater. We watched this at home, and it was one of those that I was really, really glad that I had set my expectations low on because it like yeah. blew my expectations out of the water. And I was like, this was actually a really good movie. I mean, it felt like in some ways it came out. Um, you know, Chris Evans had just kind of finished up some of his Captain America Marvel stuff Universe, and, right? Yep. Um, yep. You know, Jamie Lee Curtis still was kind of winding down the Halloween franchise. And um, same thing with Daniel Craig, who was finishing up his time playing James Bond. So many people yeah. were, were coming into this, too. I mean, Michael Shannon, I don't think we mentioned him either. You know, another no, guy. No, he's brilliant, too. Who, oh, yeah. He probably flies under the radar more often than not, but uh, really... Really gifted. I really guy. like Michael Shannon. Yeah, yeah, I really like him. Um, yep. 
So yeah, I mean, it was it was good, and I I think it's it's one of those movies, you know, as we talk about that whole experience of watching movies, um, you know, movies for me, there are some movies that I say, hey, go watch it by yourself, that's fine. Uh, this to me is one of those movies that you need to watch with other people, um, and it's it's yeah. almost one of those movies too. Uh, I think. You know, if you go on YouTube, you can find those videos where people are watching um, Empire Strikes Back for the first time and they're seeing Luke and Darth Vader and the reaction videos, right? Like, I I don't know if I'd go so far as to say you do that with this movie, but but it's an experience and there's something to be said about experiencing it for the first time and even just, you know, noticing. I mean, so much of this this film is just... um, yeah, it's the brilliant work of so many of this ensemble cast. Absolutely, yeah. I I think um, you know as we jump into to a couple of the questions here, I I don't feel like it's been too rabbit trailing. I'm actually taking some notes on on films we're gonna probably look at presenting down the road here. But I was thinking as you were talking about ensemble cast. And the film's working. I will mention this, and I think it's one we need to dive into. It, it is one I told you you probably should see. So Charlotte, um, she's always up on everything. Mm-hmm. So she's like, oh, yeah, yeah, I know. Oh, yeah, I know that. Oh, yeah, this is one we should see. And, it's in the, you know, when you read it, it's like it's one you should watch with with a group of people. That's why I'm kind of jumping into this mm-hmm. is because you you had mentioned there are certain films that are just really fun to watch with a group of people. And, the, you know, a lot of the online things, they, they do uh, – you know, they offer the online viewing experience even from home, right? I think Disney yeah. Plus does it, and it's a really it's a really cool thing. Mm-hmm. Well, so it's called The Triangle of Sadness. Mm. The Triangle of Sadness is a film that came out, and I was like, what on earth? And she's like, no, I've heard great things. And um, it is, it's one of those... <laughs> It's one of those that's a, a Palme d'Or winner, but it's about social hierarchy being turned up on its head, and it's all on a cruise ship. And I mean, there's a couple of different things that follows these characters, like who are models, and then you know, even Woody Harrelson's in it for a while as the the captain of the boat. But it's it, dude. It is. Um, it's one of those bizarre films that I think that you would really enjoy, mm-hmm. like me. But I understand why you watch it with people. In fact, if you do watch it, we probably should watch it together in a team watch because it has all of that. It's like this with the ensemble where you get to enjoy all the nuances in it and, and kind of the statements it's making about, you know, the class system might be here, but what if everybody's stranded from the ship on an Island who, who takes the hierarchy? You know Mm -hmm, what I mean? mm -hmm. It's one of those kind of, kind of inside insights. So, um, you know, maybe that's something we'll explore later, but, but, but I'm jumping off of what you're saying here with, with an ensemble cast like that, it either works or it doesn't. And I think what allows these kind of films to work is if you just let the story tell. You know what I mean? And yet, that's where you have to have good directing. And that's why oh, yeah. I think that Ryan Johnson probably did a good job with this. Um, what's your favorite theme or scene in this film? Do you have uh, a favorite line? I mean, like- so, yeah, there are two things that kind of stood out to me. First of all, I, I, I love the end where, um, you, you know, as you're watching this movie, Marta, she's the the kind of nurse caretaker for Harlan Thrombey, which, um, and, and kind hearted yet, you know, from a different country. And so there's, there's some of that that's, that's, uh, you know, included in it, in the theme, you know, Don Johnson throws out a quote from Hamilton, you know, immigrants, they get the job done at one point, but, Mm -hmm. but, um, she has (laughs) this, Marta has this, a hard time, when she she can't lie basically like if she lies she throws up her stomach just gets crazy and so uh right. y- you know as as Benoit Blanc is is describing everything towards the end of the film he um he uh he uses that he, he yeah he uses this and she's doing her best to hold it to hold it back to hold it back and finally she just unloads and throws up all over chris evans and it was like one of the funniest <laughs> like most anticipated totally. like moments and the longer that she waits on it i think you you feel this tension building and stuff the the other thing that that i i loved a lot too was 
at the end of the film as Marta's in her new house, basically the house that everybody else thought was going to be theirs. She's standing on, on the, the, the kind of overlooked terrace porch on the second floor and she's got a mug and the mug says my house, my rules, my coffee. And, um, I just, that was like one of the last scenes as, as the camera, you know, pulls into it. I thought like, this is just a brilliant way to have ended, uh, ended the film. So how about you? What was, what stands out to you? Yeah, I, I, I'll echo that. I agree that that was really unique because it's a way it, it shows that Benoit Blanc was not a moron, that he was using the situation that that's what that was the final linchpin in a creative way to to basically use that to deduce and make it come mm-hmm. come to fruition. Right. So that was really, really smart. I think um, I think there's a couple of really good twists. Um, you know, you're, you're trying to figure out, did she do it? Did she not do it? Who, who's responsible? And I think that, um, you know, that one of the scenes that was really, I think a turning point was when she was in, um, she was chasing down, she was trying to like get to the root of it herself. So I think when, when, when they were in that offsite location where she was kind of, kind of got stuck in that storefront, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you know what I'm talking about? Um, and, and, that was a really big, um, it was a really big reveal that kind of cemented, oh, I, I thought it was a clever twist, mm-hmm. basically, um, because the story, see, the problem we have, and I don't know if this is true for you, and I'm not making this as a, um, I don't know, an ambitious, arrogant statement. The problem is, is and Charlotte would echo this, she's, she probably would lead on this. Actually, she drives me crazy with this, is we figure stuff out before. Mm-hmm it happens. Yeah. It's just, just figure it out. That's it. So, um, what we like is when we're actually teased to the point where we went, Ooh, I misfired on that. We may have gotten to the right answer eventually, but I made a miscue on this. Right. And so when the story is able to do that, um, that's where it's fun because you feel like the audience, you're involved in the whodunit. That's, Mm -hmm. I I guess that's the, that's the attraction of it is we're kind of in the story like the detective. Oh yeah. And when you get pulled in that way, you're trying to figure it out. Right. Yeah. So I mean, it's why people like never, never choose the first person you think it is on LA law or whatever it is. Right. Right. Yeah. (laughs) On the show. Well, yeah. And we'll talk about it. I mean, next episode as far as glass onion and stuff, but I, I got a good laugh in that movie when they made the clue reference too. So but um, yeah. Oh yeah, dude, dude, yeah. totally. And yeah, they did a good job with that one too. I was like, ooh, I like this twist, right? So yeah, um, yeah. So is this a multiple watcher for you? Or, oh, it is. Or I, I mean, I don't. Seen it I've a probably times? seen it. Let me think. I've probably seen it four or five times already, at least. So yeah, and I, I would. Awesome. I, I mean, well, it's funny, and you talk about like multiple watchings and things that you learn or things that you know you missed before. I. Even though I would consider myself to be a, a Radiohead fan, I had no idea until the last two weeks that um, Knives Out is a Radiohead song. Probably because it's on the album <laughs> Amnesiac, which is not my favorite of their albums. It's kind of, eh. Gotcha. You know? so, um, but yeah, that was yep. funny. And then, of course, you know the, the next Knives Out movie is also... Uh, named after a song. So uh, Ryan Johnson is yep. kind of keeping that theme alive in that too. But but yeah, I've seen it probably four or five times. How about you? Um, I've seen it twice, okay. ashamedly. Um, it's probably, but it is one that I would definitely pull back around and watch. Um, am, am, here, here's part of the reason though. It's not because it's not enjoyable or that I don't like it. These days, John, like, Charlotte is definitely we we this is a key way we spend time together mm-hmm. and this is a movie she really enjoys and would watch again but she is not a repeat watcher of films okay so Carrie's not it either. has to be exceptional yeah. or something that's a classic yep um, she wants the next thing that's new or the next thing now now this is one she would watch again definitely like mm-hmm. if, if the mood strikes yeah she'd be like let's watch that movie there are others where she would not do that so. Um, I think that for me, you and I are much more casually like, eh, I'm kind of in a knives out mood. We throw it on. Sure. You know what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So, yeah. so for me, but it, but it has nothing to do with the quality of the film. I think, um, you know, 
kind of leading into this idea of what's what's the theme or life lesson. I mean, I, it's it's a fun whodunit right. and an opportunity for a couple hours to to hang out with some people in a in a fantasy whodunit and be part of the detective team, right? To, yeah. to, to you know, and I think it works your mind to be oh, honest. Sure. So with the, you know, how how depraved are people? What are their motives? Like. It's a study on those things, and I think if we wanted to, we could probably go a little deeper with that stuff. But, uh, you know, you made a note here that Johnson gets a bad rap like we've talked about for The Last Jedi. I, I, yeah. I would agree. I, I think most importantly, you can tell that this is a film that he had creative control on mm-hmm. and knew what he wanted to do. And whether he was air quotes given creative control on that film, I think to a degree he was, where he took the story and – for the benefit or the or the not benefit, he took the story and, and ran with it in a different direction. That I think that that uh, you know um, the previous director had set out to like mapped out. But their their problem was they didn't really map out a whole cohesive storyline to begin with, and that really comes from the top down. I think there's a lot of blame yeah. that goes up the chain in that, where mm-hmm. there's more of a franchise control over a film like this. I, I feel like. I believe this was a film where he got to say, this is actually how I make movies. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. And uh, that it probably did a lot of benefit for him, right? Here's actually what I can do. Yeah, yeah. Well, and and I, you know, it's funny because I was just looking up to, I, I had, remember reading an article at one point that Ryan Johnson was, I, I heard an interview with him somewhere and he was talking about, how Knives Out and its success was actually healing in some ways, for lack of a better word, because I'm sure it was. all the all the hate thrown at him after Last Jedi. I mean, it was it was this whole like need to recover, and so um, the fact that he that Knives Out was successful, like you said, you, you know, he, he took over the reins of Last Jedi from J.J. Abrams. And, you, you know, there's been a history in Star Wars movies that have had multiple directors handing things off. Han Solo is another one that I think about, which I also think Ron Howard got a bad rap because considering what he was handed, that was a pretty good, I think it was a pretty good movie. But um, same thing with Last Jedi. Absolutely. You know, yeah, yeah. it's like, how, how do you yep. take, and if you've ever been in that place before where you've been handed kind of the, the broken pieces of something and said, hey, make something really good out of this, I mean, that's a challenge. You, you know, here's what's interesting. Here's what's interesting about Last Jedi, and, and, and not to harp on it too much, but I think we need to give some props to Johnson is that if you just watched it by itself, let's say that movie just came out by itself and it was just a space movie that came out it was you know in the 80s or something or in the 90s it was just a film that came out like willow or whatever uh-huh. you know what i mean just yeah. came out. I, I mean i think as a film by itself if if you didn't have the build-up expectation of all the lore and what you're waiting for i thought it was pretty fascinating like yeah. you know what i'm saying and and really beautifully shot i i still it's a reason why i'll actually go back and watch it is for those reasons again i don't agree with all the 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 ways that they took the story i think yeah, so so aside from that, I think as a director and a storyteller, I think he's very talented. He tried to give it that indie edge to this movie, and it didn't work because you have a devoted fan base yep. um, that I shall be very kind about who are really mean to everybody. I mean, you know, even the actors. Like, dude, th- dude one of the best parts were the actors who were the core actors in those films, to be honest with you. Mm-hmm. I mean... Mm-hmm. You know, uh, what's his face? You know, Daisy Ridley doesn't deserve the trash that she was given. Certainly, you know, any of the rest of the cast don't. I think they're they're very talented actors, and so they, you know, you you have. Listen, if a pizza sucks, it's it's only as good as the ingredients you're given. Yes, <laughs> no matter oh, how talented dude, you are, absolutely right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So John Boyega, I mean, he's hugely talented. Mm-hmm. Like the you know, and and um, uh. Daisy oh, Ridley, gosh, Oscar, Daisy Ridley, I, I, oh Oscar yeah, Isaac. Daisy, I already yeah, talked yeah. about her, but Oscar, Oscar yeah. Isaac's like brilliant. Like, dude, and I love their chemistry and who they are, and mm-hmm. you can tell, you could tell that if they had one consistent, really thought about plot, what it could have been, and Adam Driver was whether you liked his Kylo Ren or not. I mean, he's a fascinating actor. I love his other work. So it's like yeah. these are. This is a good example of a great. 
I thought they made really good choices with the cast people and the supporting cast people. Mm-hmm. And it's just a matter of if they had gotten their crap together, like what could have been. And I think the what could have been is more the disappointment than anything. Yeah. To be honest with you. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Uh, so it's a uh, waste, yeah, I, right? And then it hurts their careers. It oh, hurts yeah. their careers. No, I just found a good quote from Johnson about the backlash that he had received. He said, in terms of the bad stuff, I'll tell you, it's interesting. It's been one of the really healthy things for me about the past couple of years is getting exposed to it. Before I made The Last Jedi, I'd never had anyone hate me on the internet. If during the course of a year I got one negative tweet, I'd go into a panic. I'd be like, oh my gosh, someone out there doesn't like me. I need to fix this. The thing is, though, I'm really thankful because what that meant is my sense of self-worth was attached to the notion of everybody liking me online. And the fact that this process had me out out of survival disconnect from that. And I, I mean... You know, we always try yeah, to man. land in a in a place, right, with our with our episodes, Joel, where we're saying, "Hey, what can we get out of out of this? Like, what's yeah, what's between the frames of the movie? Really but good. what's what's between the frames of everything that we can say? Hey, like, is there a is there one big thing that we can kind of take away from here? And I, I mean. Look, I, I keep going on. I know you've had your own journey with it, right? Like removing ourselves from social media just because of the unhealthiness of it and what we find ourselves yeah. relying on at times. And, and you know, I'm, I'm not one who says, hey, everyone needs to get rid of it. And I'm also not one that says everyone needs to have it. I, I think like I've appreciated yeah. your journey even of saying like, hey, you know what? There's seasons where I've just got to say, hey, I'm stepping away, and I'm going to I'm gonna do that, yeah. and uh, I'm not going to throw shade on anybody else. Uh, I'm just going to, um, you know, do what I need to do. And, and I think, you know, where are we getting what Johnson says in that quote, too, like that, that idea of a sense of self-worth, where are we going to find our self-worth? And who are the people that we go to? Yeah. Um, are they strangers that so you know have no connection to us at all, or are they people like you and me who have like a history together? We've we've gone through stuff together. We appreciate and love one another, and we know that like, hey, you know what? Like, you're gonna call me out when I'm do I'm being an idiot or or whatever, you know. Well, that's the important <laughs> part. Is is so you don't want an echo chamber yeah, in your whole life, preach, but, bro. but yeah. you want people. So you want people, we talk about it in our team meetings all the time. It's healthy to have, I'm going to give some, give me some pushback. Yes. One of our, one of the leaders I work with, he's so humble about this and he means it when he teaches a great message. I'll be like, I don't want you to come in here and just say it was a good job. Come in here, give me some pushback. This is an area that I saw that I really dropped the ball on. Tell me what you're seeing. Like we we need that. And in in anything creative or professional you need to be willing to take on that criticism, especially you need to basically you need to form a, a, a circle of trust, but not a circle of all think alike. Mm-hmm. You need a yes. circle of trust, though, of people who are going to be similar enough with you, but at the same time are going to really tell you what you need to hear. Like if you criticize, it's far different if you if you criticize me on something, um, if we were working on something, uh, the, the type of criticism I get from you is very valuable versus the lady in the front row thinks we should play more hymns. Right. You know what I mean? Like, and, and it's not that one's devaluing the other or whatever it is. I'm just throwing that out there. Oh, the sure. point being is, is we need to remember that good feet, constructive feedback is good. And I'm glad to hear that quote that you, you said, because I think, um, kudos for him to coming right back and, and saying, no, this is really what I do. And, and, and I felt like glass onion, which we'll talk about the next mm-hmm. episode is, is a great follow up and, and it keeps the consistency. So, so that, you know, you could have, you could have wrecked somebody if he took that and went all inward. Cause this is brutal. Right. right? I oh, mean, yeah. in the star Wars community is brutal. <laughs> oh, absolutely. So like if, if, if you do that, I mean, dude, I have a whole lot of thoughts about that, but I'm not going to go there. So, like, <laughs> you know, we could have lost someone who actually is a really good storyteller right? and have one more chess, chess piece off the board, right? So mm-hmm. so good good for him and taking that and using it positively. And that's a good good word for all you you listening. What is it that you do? What are you doing professionally? What do you do creatively? Especially if creative. Creative is hard because it can be so subjective. Yes. But we take it deeply personal because we put a lot of passion and especially when you put passion into a project, just, just be aware that you're everything you make isn't going to be appreciated by everybody. And that's okay. Yeah. If it was appreciated by the masses, it probably would be 
uh, I don't know. I, Hokey, I don't want to kitschy sound crap. But snobby. yeah, anyway, that's me. <laughs> yeah, but, you know, I mean, you, you know, and, and Elias and I walk in this tension. He's appreciating music so much, and he's really getting into like now. He's listened to a lot of jazz and uh-huh. all this other stuff, and he's getting really good at the bass, dude. Like really good. That's so, awesome. but I tell him, but you know, like rock, rock, alternative punk, like those are his wheelhouse. But I keep telling him, and he's in, listening. I'm like, keep expanding your palate. You can appreciate mm-hmm. these other types of songs and enjoy them yeah. and learn from them without, you can study this kind of music, but still have your wheelhouse. I go, you know, those guys you really admire, you know, they listen to all this other kind of stuff, right? Right. Like that's the, just because they're on stage as green day or whatever else doesn't mean they just listen to all the music sounds like green day. Like, you know, you know what I mean? Like oh my you, gosh. you have to understand that that there's an appreciation that comes in and he gets that he gets right. it. So now he's in the stage though, John, where he's going, how come, how come more people don't know so-and-so musician, you know, how come guitar players don't know these guys you listen to, or how come like they just call it, you know, my friends at school are like, it's, you know, white dad rock or whatever else. And I start laughing. I go, well, technically the alternative you're listening to is the white dad rock now. But, yeah. but anyway, so, you know, <laughs> I know, I know what the comment meant, but I'm like, I go, bud, you're learning what you're going to learn is that every generation, every generation has that where they don't, you're, you're forming a tasty, deep appreciation mm-hmm. because you are actually becoming a musician. People will often not. And that's why I go, but even in the pop world, cause he always downing pop and this is where I'm going with this. I go, even though that's mainstream, I said, remember there are very talented artists that are mainstream. The difference is, is are you going to sell your soul to a record exec and only do what they statistically think you should do so that you sell more albums? Or are you going to find the balance between remaining creative and being successful? Because there's nothing wrong with being successful. Right. I mean, you know what I mean? So, But is that I, your I, I driver? Today, it's very hard to do that. You, you know, and that's where is I Is that think, your driver? Okay, I'm going to yeah. do this next song because I don't care. Right, right. right. I'm just going to do it because whatever. Yeah. Oh, dude. But I'm dead inside. So many thoughts about that. <laughs> I mean, you mentioned Green Day, and I just, I I just yeah. recently got the album that Billy Joe and Nora do together, Foreverly. I don't know if you've heard it, but amazing album yep. um check it out it's oh, so yeah. good and uh i think really stuff like that my carrie and i were just talking the other day about lady gaga and how you know so early on mm-hmm. in her career i think she was being everything that everyone else wanted her to be and then after she kind of had some street yep. cred and some clout behind her she started doing what she did with Tony Bennett which was like incredibly beautiful stuff yep. I, I mean she ended up doing the remake of uh she's very talented um uh, the oh, born yeah. what, what the heck talented. was the name of that uh, uh, a star is born um, a star is with born. Bradley Cooper yep. and yep. and and all of a sudden you yep. strip away some of the the stuff that has kind of clouded your your true picture of her artistry and you say oh my gosh that's that's amazing. Yep. Uh, you know, on the opposite side, and I'm not going to throw shade at any particular artist, but there's plenty of artists out there that when you take stuff away, you're like, yeah, I probably should have left the auto tune on. I probably should have left all your outfits on because you kind of suck. Like, you, you know, just, but, but, and, you know, I, I mean, recently I saw a video and I know you're a big Journey fan. Um, you know, people were just throwing all kinds of act like, you know, compliments at Steve Perry because, you know, this guy's like the, was the, in his heyday, he was the quintessential rock vocalist. This was the mm-hmm. days pre mm-hmm. um, auto tune and all this. And he, his, his tone and yeah, you his just quality to him and you're like, purely, right? oh my gosh, yeah, it's so pure. And, you know, when you're talking about creativity, like like you were hitting on a minute ago, Joel, this idea of you know that finding that balance there between am I making stuff that I want to make or am I making stuff and creating stuff because I want to make a buck? And you know, yes, success is okay, but is that the thing that's driving mm-hmm. you? And I think when it is, you're like, okay, I just I can't. Well, that's what we admire about. That's what we admire about Prince and the After Fact and all that kind of stuff, and and why he admired bands like that. It, you know, I was talking it, 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 this conversation with Elias because he's very into the lyrics and lyrical mm-hmm. content, and he loves the structure of that. And 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 Charlotte's very. And 
we all are, but for me also, I could listen to Prague all day. And so like there's, there's the musicality aspect as well. And, and so I'm just going to touch on this and we'll, we'll, we'll turn the, the, the corner here. But basically what's interesting going back to what you were saying is I, it helped when I explained to him, I said, you know, when a band originates something, everybody else is going to copy it. And then people who don't take the time to know, they're going to think that they're the cheap copy, but they're not. I said, the difference is I said, you have to understand like with journey, for example, I said they were a prog band that had a ton of street cred and a lot of dudes going to all their shows. The problem was CBS Sony, which they built through their record sales was going to drop them if they didn't have a vocalist to front them. So they needed to find the right fit, but they didn't want another Zeppelin guy. They didn't want all this, even though Neil kind of wanted that. They, they, they found somebody that was going to be able to do a catalog of music that took them in a different direction, but also could be, you know, ballsy. So mm-hmm. basically when Steve came into the band, he'd been throwing demos across. What happened was, was they were, when they really changed was when um, when the 80s era hit and Jonathan Cain came into the to the fold as a songwriter. Mm-hmm. But what they decided, this is the point, what they decided was the songs they write are going to be about the people who come to see them. The everyman story of everybody's life. Because instead of just party songs, what they're going to do is write songs about, you know, what's it like for Joe so-and-so and Susie so-and-so what's their life like? What's their relationships like? What's, what's the struggles they're going through? What's something in that, that everything was going to be hope filled. So what's interesting is when you understand that, then you appreciate lyrical content a little bit more. Cause then you realize that's why don't stop believing is enduring. That's why separate ways is enduring. It's these stories that, you know, that are, that are uplifting in a way. And actually there's moments in songs where I go, this is like a key part of worship actually, where it's edifying. You know (laughs) what I mean? But that's their thing. That's what they originated. Then everybody from winger to whoever tried to copy it. Do you know what I'm saying? Oh yeah. So I said, so, so, but it's okay. I said, there. you know, what is it? Imagery, uh, uh, sorry, imitation. Flattery. Flattery. But everybody so everybody has that though. The difference is, are you just the copier who's doing it so you can sell some records or are you the originator? Right. And yeah. do people take the time to figure that out? We don't know. And, and hence your point about Lady Gaga and everybody else's, they're really talented people. And when they figure out who they're going to be, you know, then watch out. Right. Yeah. Well, so. and, and pulling it all back around, even again, to, to knives out and Ryan Johnson, I, I think, you know, part of the beauty of the film is that, yes, there are nods to Agatha Christie. There are nods to, you know, other yep. things. But Clue, uh, all that stuff. But, like, I, I think it's a brilliant quote that you bring out, that imitation is the best form of flattery because it, it's not a copy, it's it's imitating. And, and if you follow comedians, if you follow musicians, if you follow actors— so many of them will point back to the people who influenced who they became. And, um, you know, Absolutely. how do you take the best of what you've experienced and seen and don't copy it, but let it inform you again? I, I mean, I, I could sit and watch some of your, you know, your YouTube and other videos, Joel, listening to you play. And I'm like, you know what? I can tell that that. Joel's been influenced by Neil Sean. I can tell that, but I wouldn't say like, oh, he's just he's just taking what Neil Sean does and doing it himself. No, I feel like you have this ability yep. to take the tone and and make it your own and all this other stuff. That's what good artists do, whether they're musicians, whether they're painters and others, mm-hmm. whether they're directors or, or, or actors. They take the best 100%. of what they've seen and they say, how do I make this my own? And, and again, I, I mean, kudos to Ryan Johnson for getting back up on the horse after all the crap that he had to deal with with Last Jedi and putting a movie like Knives Out again. I, I haven't heard all the buzz around Glass Onion and we're going to talk about it next episode. But, but it's good. But yeah, I, I mean. Yeah, but it's good. Yep. And so good for him. Well, you, I mean, you nailed it and that's a good, and that's, I agree. I would resound that and I agree there's a great place to land it that you, you, you just nailed it out of the park there that taking that influence, that's, that's why this film is fun because it's like other it's like other stories that you can see come around again mm-hmm. that catch fire again, because I think the time was right. Um, everyone, 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 even 
the biggest cynic likes a whodunit. And the fact that it was, I like that it had an Agatha Christie clue kind of feel, but at the same time, it's the story was so different that mm-hmm. it was its own unique thing. Yeah. And you had to, I feel like it was very contemporary, mm-hmm. very contemporary. So it's like taking an Agatha Christie and just making it very contemporary in our setting, in our context. Mm-hmm. Like like Agatha Christie would be like Old Testament, and I felt like this was like New Testament. You know what I mean? Like it's just a, <laughs> yeah. just a totally different setting and place and time, yep. but, but the same tropes and the same kind of thing, which make it, you know, it takes you on a journey and you forget that the best films, right? The best stories make you feel like you forget where you are for a little bit, right? Yes, absolutely. Yeah. We talked about that with Avatar and I definitely think this, this one, this one too. Yeah. Well, and Hey, what do you, what do you all think? I mean, did you love knives out? Did you hate knives out? Like, you know, let us know. Drop us a line. Send us an email. Podcast between the frames at gmail. Are you going to be a little nicer to Ryan Johnson now? Yeah, seriously. He's not paying us right. or anything. Yeah, I yeah. mean, it'd be nice. Yeah. Ryan, if you hear this, we will definitely, you know, you can kick a check over. That's yeah. Won't say no. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But uh, let us know. And, cool? and hey, if, if there's some other whodunit movies, you know, Joel mentioned Clue before and um, we we mentioned Murder by Death. Murder by Death. Um, was it? Yeah. Like, hey, <laughs> if there are other movies that you think of uh, in regards to that, by all means, shoot us. We'd love to even put those on and, and do some episodes about some other whodunit movies. But um Good, oh, yeah. good, good conversation, Joe. I appreciate this. It's good, good stuff. I'm looking forward to, to diving in next time uh, to Glass Onion. Hopefully, if you haven't had a chance to see Knives Out, you can see that. You can go over to Netflix and see Glass Onion streaming there. We are getting no proceeds from from Netflix, though. We'd love <laughs> love for them to be a sponsor. Um, <laughs> yes, yes, we would. We think we are uh, we are we are amazing and very knowledgeable. And uh, yeah, anyway, yeah. just kidding. Hey, no, and this was this was good. <laughs> you know, I love I love when all of the things that we talk about here at between the frames kind of come together with with movies, music. Um, all that and culture, culture, faith, faith, all of it, all that stuff. I think, I think we saw that today and in this episode. So, um, if you like what you're hearing, subscribe, share it out, give us a review as well. You can find us, uh, wherever you listen to podcasts. And so, uh, we will catch you next time when we look at glass onion and see what we find I could say between the peels, but I guess I won't. (laughs) All right. (laughs) See you guys next time. See you next time. Thanks for listening to Between the Frames with John and Joel. If you like what you're listening to, be sure to click subscribe wherever you stream your podcasts. We are on Apple, Google Play, Spotify, Prime, as well as Anchor FM. In each episode, John and Joel dig a little bit deeper to find hidden meanings between the frames as it relates to life, culture, and faith. See you next time.